Hello, CFRC listeners. Welcome to The Kingston Curator with me, Christina Laurie. We're going to dive right into it. This episode is focused on drone music in honor of Drone Day coming up this Saturday. If you're unfamiliar with drone music, you won't be for long as we have an interview with Michael Duguay, an artist and organizer of Drone Day Afternoon happening Saturday, May 28th at the Hotel Wolf Island. Before we really delve into discussion of drone music and the upcoming celebration, I thought I'd play an example provided by Michael. Honestly, it was my intro to music specifically categorized in this genre, but we'll get more into what can be categorized as drone music and this artist in particular in our interview coming up. So please enjoy a snippet of a composition entitled Horse Sings from Cloud by Pauline Oliveros.
All right. So just to get us started, would you like to quickly introduce yourself? Give us a bit of an intro to yourself and your work and relation to the drone music community. Yeah. My name is Michael C. Duguay. I'm an artist and writer and performer based in Kingston and Wolf Island. I'm from Peterborough originally. A lot of my work is oriented around more sort of conventional songcraft, singer-songwriter, music and performance. Um, but increasingly over the years, it's drifted more into the realm of experimental in terms of incorporating experimental production techniques and experimental songwriting techniques, experimental performance. And so while that is sort of adjacent to the work I do that is more sort of strictly and explicitly uh, experimental music, which includes uh, drone music that I make. It all sort of, you know, it, it, as time progresses, all of my interests and all of my practices have sort of become absorbed into one larger practice. All right, cool, cool. Um, could you tell us, especially for those folks who may not be familiar, could you just give a little explanation of what drone music consists of? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, drone music or just drone, as it's colloquially referred to, it doesn't refer necessarily to music as we comprehend it in a sort of, you know, more, you know, con conventional understanding of music uh, in the contemporary sense. You know, drone refers to any sort of prolonged, sustained a uh, single note or repetition of one note. And it can encompass music that's produced from, you know, all variety of genres. And in fact, uh, once, once you know to listen for it, you can kind of hear it in every genre. You know, drone, mu drone music, it can be said that, you know, we all sound as drone um, in, a, in, a, in a manner of speaking and that every, every note we hear is, is on some sort of scale is sustained or we wouldn't be able to hear it. Um, and that we're surrounded by by drones at all time, be they natural and organic um, sounds that have existed, you know, since the beginning of time, since the Big Bang. Um, you know, according to string theory, we're surrounded by tiny vibrations. And of course, vibrations are what make up sound. So sound are vibrations and vibrations are sound. So, you know, one could say that we're surrounded by drones at all times. And then, of course, there's, you know, man-made drones. Um, the sound of your microwave is a drone. The sound of traffic is a drone. Um, the sound of, uh, you know, the ocean is a drone. The sound of a city is a drone. The sound of wind is a drone. But, you know, drone being incorporated more formally into music, you know, goes back about as far back as the history of music itself. I think notable examples would be the use of drone in traditional Indian music. A lot of traditional Indian instruments um, are, were actually designed, and I can't speak to this with any sort of, um, you know, I'm not an expert on traditional Indian music, but a lot of Indian, traditional Indian musics have sort of built-in drone um, settings, as it were. Um, the instruments sort of incorporate drones. So say a sitar, the sound of a sitar is sort of oriented around a sustained note that's played on the lower end of the register, um, while other notes are played melodically over top of it. Um, you can hear drone music, um, countless examples of drone techniques used in, in, you know, more, you know, Western classical music, although um, I'm not thinking of any off the top of my mind. I know that they're there. And, you know, straight through to, you know, there's the early 20th century sort of post-classical minimalism school where, you know, drone was sort of engaged with as a means to its own end. And I think at that time, there were composers um, who were who were very intentionally 
you know, exploring drone in a way, the, the way that I often explain drone to people is that, you know, the effect that it has when you repeat the same word again and again, mm-hmm. that the word can sort of kind of begin to take on its own sort of sonic shape and be, can begin to sound like something completely different than the word that you're speaking. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, definitely. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And, and in some cases, that's like the intention of drone music, that if you elongate and sustain one note for long enough without even actually processing it, the human ear begins to pick up on harmonic overtones that aren't mm-hmm. noticeable at first. The sound itself, the note itself can begin to sort of bend and, and take different shapes. It's really, really quite fascinating. And, you know, you'll find drone music, uh, drone techniques and drone approaches to composition and performance, all, you know, like in electronic music, particularly sort of early techno, early house music, the Chicago school of house music, you know, that repetition, repetition, four on the floor, thudding bass sort of thing. Like that's a sort of drone approach. You hear it certainly in heavy metal music, particularly in the schools of like doom metal, which was one of my introductions to drone music. You hear it in punk music going as far back as the Velvet Underground. Velvet Underground are, I, you know, I believe to be and I think are commonly understood as, as you know, quite innovative in the world of drone music, particularly the work of John Cale in that band. Um, you hear it everything. You hear it in pop music. You hear it everywhere. Yeah. I mean, you've definitely fully touched on this in that it's, I mean, really everywhere, even if you're not really aware of it. But also you mentioned that you sort of started with drone in in the form of metal. But where would you say you kind of got your start with drone music or discovered it? Well, I wouldn't say that I got my start in metal because I've never been a metal performer. Um, but I, sorry, I sort of misled you there. That was my fault. <laughs> I, um, it wasn't so much that I was turned on sort of, you know, directly onto drone music. It wasn't until, you know, years and years of deep music listening um, and music performance that it occurred to me that drones used as a technique or just sort of naturally occurring drones were a common thread in a lot of the music that I like. You know, I've already referenced the Velvet Underground or one of my favorite bands, um, a lot of uh, sort of modular jazz music that I really like that this was something that sort of existed in a lot of music that I liked. So that's sort of, that's sort of, you know, when I kind of understood that I liked music that had long sustained notes and a lot of repetition, very minimalist sort of approaches to music, you know, I was turned on to drone as sort of its own form. And so that is to say that it wasn't so much that I, you know, I, there was a moment where I was turned on to drone, but that I realized I had been listening to it all along, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah, totally. Well, I think, You've pretty much covered this, but I sort of interpreted it as there are a lot of subgenres within drone music, but I think it goes both ways. There's, there's drone music in all genres, but also subgenres within drone music, kind of, which is interesting. But um, would you like to speak on just the various sort of genres, or maybe do you have a favorite genre that you really like? Yeah, I mean, I, when I say that I really love drone music, I'm, this is not to say that I exclusively listen to drone music, of, of course, course yeah. but I... Um, I think you put it really eloquently and, and articulated it really succinctly there that, you know, it, it, there are subgenres within, within drone is one way of looking at it, but that another way of looking at it is that there's sort of a drone subgenre within each existing sort of like popular genre that, that we know of. Sorry, the question is, what are my favorites? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Well, one one sort of, you know, I, my background is more in folk music, traditional folk mm-hmm. music, bluegrass music, and there's a school of, well, one specific sort of folk-oriented drone uh, genre that I think is sort of referred to as Appalachian drone, which is uses a lot of um, a lot of dulcimer, a lot of guitar, um, 
in some cases, some sort of pump organ or fan organ accordion mm -hmm. and sort of marries the worlds of like um, Western, the Western folk music tradition and like, and, and drone and minimalism. Um, and so that's, that's one subgenre that I'm particularly attracted to because of the use of um, acoustic, acoustic analog instruments. Um, but that said, like I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm pretty deeply obsessed with uh, doom metal um, and I don't really, I, I, I appreciate and respect and, and admire all forms of metal music, most forms of metal music, but I, um, I don't really listen to any metal except for doom metal. Like I'm not by no means a metal head, but I am definitely a doom metal head, if that makes any <laughs> sense. Um, and then I think in the more sort of like, you know, the kind of the early school post-classical minimalist approaches to drone, Pauline Oliveros is a huge hero of mine. Pauline Oliveros is sort of the innovator of the, the the idea and technique of deep listening as like sort of an ongoing practice. Mm -hmm. um, Pauline Oliveros performed on accordion. I'm an accordion player. Um, and her work and her theories and sort of philosophies have like deeply shaped my my life, not only in terms of my my work as a composer and performer, but also as a uh, just a music listener as well. Yes, I believe you sent me one of their tracks. So folks will hear that along with this interview so they can get a full picture of what you're speaking about. Just to turn a little bit to Drone Day coming up on Saturday. How long has Drone Day been a celebration? Do you know how it came about? Want to give some details on that? I do know how it came about. Yeah, so it actually originated in Canada. It is an international celebration, but it originated from a blog that was based out of uh, Montreal in the era of, you know, mp3 blogs um, called Weird Canada and I wasn't actually too connected with them at the time although there was some sort of overlap in some of the activities that I was doing in my programming where I was based at the time in Peterborough um, but they sort of established it as I don't really know what the genesis of it was um, specifically but for whatever reason, the reason probably being that drone music rules, um, they <laughs> decided to institute and sort of formally organize an international celebration of drone music. So it's been going on for a decade or so, I think about a dozen years. Um, there's events all over the all over the world. There's a uh, website that sort of organizes all the performances that are happening on the last Saturday of May each year. And yeah, so it, it was originated in Canada, but now it has sort of an international presence. Absolutely. And then, um, so this Saturday, there's the event at the Hotel Wolf Island, but have you done anything special in the past to celebrate Drone Day? Do you kind of always do a party like this or is this new? This is the first time I've done it in this region. Um, I've participated in uh, Drone Day events elsewhere in other communities that I've lived in in Canada and overseas. Um, this is the first time I've done it. I know one of the uh, folks who is performing on Saturday, Matt Rogelski, who is um, just a really incredible um, experimental musician and producer and performer. He's, um, he's a professor at, at Queen's University. Mm -hmm. um, he organized a drone day event in 2018 that although I didn't perform at it, um, I was present at it. And so I know there's a bit of a history of it taking place in Kingston, um, but I can't really speak to it with any authority. Um, so I think this is, this is the first year that I've done, I'm doing a sort of formal event and, and myself doing a formal performance in the past I've just got together with my friends and made drone music <laughs> privately yeah just reading the website it seems like a lot of the focus of drone music events is sort of there's almost a therapeutic element to it as well as a community aspect to it would you like to speak mm -hmm. on that yeah certainly I think I would sort of separate in those into two things the first being mm -hmm. that like that sort of therapeutic cathartic element um is I think in some parts sort of 
came from, I mean, again, like, as I said at the beginning of this conversation, you know, drone is naturally occurring. We're surrounded by drones all the time. So it's like being, being sort of intentionally tuned into a drone, I think is a familiar and innate sort of um, interaction and relationship, if that makes sense, that, you know, drones resonate with us on a carnal level. And so I think that it's innately therapeutic. I think also in the 80s, drone music was really adopted by sort of the, the new age music movement, which is a, a genre that I'm really quite fond of. And new age music was, of course, of course, closely tied to, you know, sort of new age mysticism and spirituality and spiritualism um, and was sort of the beginning of a lot of what we see in the Western world, which, of course, has been like almost from the get go has been sort of bastardized and gentrified. But this, you know, sort of new age spiritual sort of post-religious um, spiritual practices. And of course, there's an element of therapy to that. I, you know, when I refer to new age music, I, I'm referring to stuff that's related to or in some cases is like what you would hear possibly in a yoga studio while you're practicing yoga, um, that sort of stuff. And so I think there's sort of a cultural association with, um, with therapy there, if that makes sense, if that adds up. And then I think in terms of community, I think that of course, you know, like spiritualism, mysticism often forms community. Um, for example, every religion in history. Um, but I think that not uh, unlike religion, that like communities, you know, new communities are often formed on the fringes of the status quo. And, you know, dorks like me find one another when we're interested in sort of niche subjects and niche genres and, and, and build communities out of that. So I think that like a lot of esoteric niche music genres, mm -hmm. um, community forms around it because it, it because it is not part of the sort of like, you know, status quo, homogenous, um, you know, cult cultural experience of music listening and music music making that it, it's something that becomes kind of sacred to those of us who are interested in it because it is, um, you know, because it is um, not everybody's cup of tea, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, definitely. I think your answer to this question will a lot of it be reiterating what you've already spoken about in terms of what's unique about drone music. But I understand that as an artist, you work within various genres, but what is special or different about drone music that makes it stand out to you, whether that's just an interesting technical aspect or a feeling it brings about for you? Hmm, that's a nice question. I think there I can answer both of those separately in terms of like, sure. uh, like a unique sort of you know, the technical approach, um, you know, a lot of music that I make is more sort of, you know, standard or, you know, oriented around sort of standard, um, you know, pop ideas. And a lot of that is, you know, of course, it remains thoughtful, but a lot of that sort of music is like, you know, it's naturally quite quick. Performance is, is fairly structured and performance is often about the sort of physical performance, whereas Drone music, you know, the nature of it is that it, it, it can be, it's not always, but can be so slow moving um, that it really does just give me an opportunity to sort of slow down and mm -hmm. really like work, work on my ears and work on my listening and work on, especially when I'm collaborating with other performers on live drone music or in the studio on drone music, you know, it, it, it forces me to be really, really conscious of what um, the folks that I'm working with are doing or, and, and you know, as well what I'm doing. Because it's not about it's not about rushing to some sort of end or some sort of conclusion. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, to borrow from like, you know, tacky idioms. It's like, you know, it's about the journey and not the destination. Mm -hmm. um, and it's and it's, you know, it's about being really present and really mindful for me. I'll only speak mm -hmm. for myself here, um, being really present and being really mindful when I'm producing the work. So, um, you know, and I think we live in a, in a culture that doesn't really um, 
you know, in, endorse or encourage a lot of like slow paced, thoughtful mindfulness all the time. Mm-hmm, um, definitely. And I know like everyone else, I can get sucked into that. And it's an opportunity for me to approach it as, you know, sort of how you framed it earlier as sort of like a, a personal kind of therapeutic or cathartic practice um and you know to, and to tie this into something you asked earlier as well i think that um, a lot of people do find it therapeutic for that reason as well that it is it it requires a certain sort of mindfulness um in most cases mm-hmm. um and i forget what the second half of your question was <laughs> i think you're gonna speak on um maybe something interesting a technical aspect maybe that you found is interesting or unique <laughs> well you know it's it's Drone music is certainly not always improvisational, but often when I make it, it's 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 improvised. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that in and of, of itself sort of requires specific techniques that I don't typically get to engage with over the course of my work. And you know, it's like I, this might seem silly, but like the difference between like very quickly moving a knob and like very very slowly moving a knob is radically different. You know, making okay. music that way is just extremely different than when I'm playing my keyboards or my synthesizers, and I'm really I'm really and again, this sort of just mirrors what I was already saying, um, but you know, this really fast paced, not even thinking almost kind of muscle memory approach to music making, as opposed to this really, you know, mindful and present, slow moving, um, and really, really engaging with and immersing myself in the sounds that I'm producing. So it might seem like it, that's hardly like a technical approach to just like very slowly move knobs. Um, but uh, for me, it's it's just a, a really unique and special approach to making music. It allows me to use a lot of gear that I wouldn't use otherwise. And mm-hmm. I tend to, in my like drone and noise practice, to like use a lot of my kind of broken gear and gear that I, I kind of otherwise would have, you know, just left in, left in a storage locker somewhere. Um, for example, this Saturday, my entire rig is just a, uh, a Roland sampler that I'm running through like the bottom of the barrel, cheapest distortion pedal for a guitar that you can buy. And basically spending my set engaging with the effect that this pedal through its gain processing processing has on a series of samples that I've collected over the last year. And I'm collaborating live with my, my friend and collaborator, Tayard Frost, who's gonna be performing uh, with me accompanying on, he made some handmade flutes out of, out of um, pipe, piping basically. So he can be performing on, on flute while I perform on a sampler run through guitar pedals. And I don't get to do that. I don't get to do that when I'm, you know, playing folk music. Totally. Yeah. I didn't expect the equipment thing. That's really surprising to me that you can use, you know, different stuff than you'd normally use and even broken things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, I only speak for myself there, you know, like I'm, I'm not suggesting that all artists who make drone music or any other artists who make drone music sort of have a preference for broken things, but mm-hmm. it's part of my practice and it's part of sort of reclaiming things. And I think, it, you know, mm-hmm. part of it for me is a little bit of like, has to do with my like um, environmental beliefs as an activist and mm-hmm. just like this idea of like not um, just putting everything to use that if I've purchased it, it still has value. And like, you know, under the, under the reign of capitalism that like, which would have just encouraged me to like pick up some more and new and more expensive and shinier gear to like continue to use it, but just use it in a different form. Um, which again is something that I, I appreciate being able to do. Yeah, that is really lovely to be able to, as opposed to throwing something out or making things that you wouldn't really necessarily want to use old equipment for. Yeah, and again, I, I don't mean to paint with too broad of a brush. I don't mean to speak for anybody else who produces that course, music. Yeah. But I know when I was when I was preparing for this particular drone day, which is a whole new set mm-hmm. um, that I've never never done before, I was sort of looking at my rig and feeling kind of like self conscious that I didn't really have the equipment that I wanted for it, and then you know 
reminded myself that this is a genre where you know I don't need to come up with an idea and then find the gear to support that idea. I can come up with the the gear and then develop ideas out of that that sort of serve the the gear that I'm working with. Oh, that's super neat. Yeah. And um, you just started touching on your event at Hotel Wolf Island this weekend. Did you want to speak more about that details, maybe what people can expect to see there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So the event runs from noon until 5 p.m. in the piano room of the Hotel Wolf Island, which has uh, recently started operating again and doing all sorts of cultural programming under its uh, new ownership. And um, I'll add that they're doing a really amazing job over there of doing a lot of uh, community-minded, artist-oriented cultural programming. Um, And they've opened their doors to, you know, this sort of thing, um, which is really fantastic. So the event, again, it runs from 12 noon until 5, and it's going to be five hours of continuous drone music, which is to say that there won't be any sort of set breaks, um, you know, as one artist or performer is wrapping up their their set the next performer is going to join them and sort of transition out of that set collaborate for a little while and and move on to their own set so that'll run the entire time with no breaks um we're sort of opening it up as um an opportunity for folks who are coming later in that evening for a memorial service for our friend Stephen Heighton who passed away a few weeks ago um that folks can come in and use this as an opportunity if they'd like to you know just uh relax and and maybe have the opportunity to be meditative um, in the course of a, you know, what could be um, an emotionally draining day for some folks. So the performers are, I have no idea which order we're going to be going in. We're just going to decide on the day of, but uh, the performers are uh, Matt Rogelski, who I've already, who I've already mentioned earlier. And I don't know exactly what he's doing, but I, he mentioned it has something to do with wind. And I know he has a collaborator coming with him, but I can't remember whom. Another performer is a project called Swarm. Um, which is a project of my friend Cecily, who's a resident of Wolf Island, and I've seen them perform once before, and they incorporated primarily field recordings from around uh, Wolf Island into their set, but I don't know if that's what they're going to be doing again this time. My friend David Parker, who's a Kingston artist and resident songwriter and experimental music maker, um, who's a really brilliant, brilliant person and brilliant artist. Um, I have no idea what he's going to be doing, but it's going to be drone. Um, and then as well, my friend Tarot and, uh, and I are going to be performing under our new moniker, which is Basic Saxon. Beautiful. All right. Perfect. Just to pivot a bit, since you mentioned that drone music isn't your main genre, what's coming up for you in terms of your personal projects and events? Um, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, thanks for asking. I'm releasing a new record very soon. Um, the singles will be are going to start coming in the next couple of months. Um, it's a record that I produced in the Yukon and multiple communities across the Yukon, primarily with artists, musicians, and performers who who are based in and work out of the Yukon. Um, so it was made up there in 2019, and I finished it in 2021 when I went back up there in the middle of the pandemic which included a lot of quarantining and that sort of stuff. And it was mixed by um, Gavin Brown in Toronto. Um, it's a record that I'm, I'm really proud of. Um, it's more of a sort of, uh, I'd call it sort of an experimental punk record. It's, uh, you know, at its core, it's, it's punk music, but it's, it's heavily influenced by sort of late 80s, early 90s kind of jazz approaches to production. I'm, I'm referring mostly to the record label ECM. So I was trying to combine two worlds that I really, really love. Um, the production approach of that era of jazz music with sort of the performance approach uh, to punk music that I love making. So that's a really long-winded way of saying that I've got a record coming out soon. 
I'm beginning um, artist residency on June 1st at the West Bend Center for Music and Performing Arts in Campbellford, Ontario. I'm going to be doing it mostly digitally and collaborating with 36 other musicians from around the world. I have a feeling that what we're going to do is going to lean more towards experimental stuff, but it might include some singer songwriter stuff as well. I'm going on tour all summer with a variety of other bands, including my own project. We're going to be playing um, around here a little bit um, and then in across Ontario and other provinces as well. And I've got a couple other records that are, are done or nearly done that are going to keep on coming out of, uh, after that. So I had, I've had a pretty productive couple of years in the absence of being able to perform very much. So I've got a whole lot of, a whole lot of music coming out soon. Yeah, fantastic. Lots to look forward to. Where can people best keep up with you? Yeah, um, I guess on, on Instagram, Michael C. Duguay. Um, and I also have a sub stack that people can um, subscribe to um, where I release sort of bits of writing and, and unreleased material sometimes as well. But I think if you want, if your interest is uh, social media, then I think Instagram would be the place to keep up with me. Okay, perfect. All right. So I think that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on the show and for taking interest in experimental music events. Thanks for tuning in to the Kingston Curator this week on CFRC 101.9 FM. Be sure to check out Michael Duguay and his upcoming projects, and I'll catch you next week with more local arts content.